We're entering a new series on forgiveness, which is why it makes so much sense to begin with this act of worship that embodies the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. So we began with communion because it's worship and forgiveness together. We're going to take a little pause from Ephesians and look at this new series, Finding Freedom in Forgiveness. We're going to do forgiveness from now until Easter. And then after Easter, we're going to pick up the last two chapters of Ephesians, Ephesians 5 and 6. What we did here in communion was something that Jesus uh, gave to uh, his disciples. And it's a practice that, that Christians, that followers of Jesus, have been practicing for uh, ever since the time Jesus was on the earth, on the planet. And so I'm going to read uh, a passage out of Matthew 26, where, where this uh, comes from. Uh, and so we just, just so we know where this communion came from and, and where it all is. Now, there's a famous painting by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. It was painted somewhere near the end of the 15th century, like 1495, 1496, something like this, that depicts uh, this scene. And Jesus, where it is in the Gospels, where it is in the story of Jesus, is that Jesus has already um, come in. It's near the end of Jesus' life, and Jesus has already come into Jerusalem um, and he is sharing the Passover meal with his 12 disciples. These are his 12 closest companions, people that he's been investing in, pouring his life in for the past uh, three, three and a half years. And they are sharing this meal together, this Passover meal, which Passover is the celebration of the followers of God, remembering when God delivered his people out of the slavery in Egypt and the angel of death passed over their homes and uh, and inflicted great punishment on the Egyptian households. But the angel of death passed over the people of God. And so that's why they celebrate, the people of God uh, then celebrate the Passover feast. And that's what they're celebrating, this this salvific uh, kind of time. And um, so they are having this meal together. If you know the, the Jesus story, this is leading up to and the events right before uh, the crucifixion on the cross. But what has not happened yet is uh, Judas has not betrayed Jesus yet. They have not yet gone to the Mount of Olives, they have not yet gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus has not yet been tried Peter has not yet uh, denied Jesus, and Jesus has not gone to the cross and not had resurrection. But this is all of this leading right up to this. So this is right before Judas betrays Jesus uh, and all of the passion events. So this is Matthew 26, 20 to 30. This is where we get communion from. So Matthew 26, starting at verse 20. When it was evening, 
he, this is Jesus, reclined at table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, amen. This is this word, amen. You ever wonder what amen means at the end of a prayer? Amen means truly. Amen, amen, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. So this is amen. So Jesus says, uh, amen, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? So this is all the disciples, the 12 disciples, and Jesus says, one of you here are going to betray me around this table. And each of them begins to ask themselves. They begin to examine their own lives. Am I going to betray you, Jesus? Am I going to sin against you? Right? They're examining their own life in the same way that I asked you to examine your own life before coming and taking communion. Right? So Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, and they examined their own life. Who am I? Is it I? Am I going to be, have I betrayed Jesus? This is the disciples asking this. And then Jesus answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, rabbi? Is it I, teacher? And Jesus said to him, you have said so. That's an ambiguous affirmation where Judas would know, and Jesus knows. But the rest of the disciples don't, don't know. They don't actually pick that up. But Judas would know, and Judas would know that Jesus knows. That's, 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 that's this ambiguous affirmation here. You have said so. So Judas knows, Jesus knows. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the, to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That the cup is poured out as the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then the story unfolds. Judas betrays Jesus. The soldiers come. They come and take him. And then the rest of, of what happens, uh, Good Friday, and then the cross. So there's a couple of things I just want to observe really two main points for uh, this uh, message this morning. The first is sin is real. And you're like, oh, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's obvious. Like, if you ever had anything bad happen to you or someone steal your car or yell at you or blame you for something or just sin against you, uh, you know that this is true, that, that sin is real. Um. But I want to kind of put a little bit of a finer point on this because sometimes we might forget this. That in this whole story of communion, we actually get that Jesus himself 
is sinned against. That Jesus, we think of Jesus as holy and, and the Son of God and perfect, but that in this story of communion, of this act of forgiveness, Jesus himself is actually experiencing sin from someone who he's invested in. Someone that Jesus has poured his life into, a disciple for three, three and a half years, is going to betray him. Someone that he's poured his life into. This is not just like somebody that doesn't like Jesus. This is someone that Jesus has loved deeply, has sinned against him. Um, there's a verse in, in Psalm 41. Psalm 41.9. The psalmist actually understands this. There's so much like, overlap between what happened with Jesus and what this, uh, uh, this psalmist is, is telling us. Psalm 41.9 says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone who has been a close friend of yours, someone who you trusted, someone who you, maybe they ate food in your house, you had them over for dinner, and they betrayed you. Psalm knows this. Jesus knows this. Jesus endures the betrayal and sin of a close friend of his. Ah. So then to bring it to us, I was wondering then if it's any surprise that we also would endure people's sin against ourselves. Disappointment, wounds, not, not from people who are strangers to us. I mean, we kind of know people out there. Some people are just kind of mean people or bad people. But like against us, like we experience sin against us. So I want to add this part. Sin is real and parenthetically, don't be surprised if it touches you. And don't be surprised if it touches you from somebody within our church. This, all right, some people come to a church or some people come to Christian community or some people connect with Christians and they get this huge misunderstanding. They think that they come to a church, they come, in, they come with Christians and no one should ever sin against them. They should come to a place like like a church, like GRX, and they should never get wounded by anyone in here. Right? Christians are supposed to be compassionate and loving. Why, why, are, you, why are you being mean to me? Why did you say that about me? Why did you hurt me? No, no, no. That's a misunderstanding of what it means to be the body. If you come here thinking, You'll come here, and it'll be perfectly safe. You won't ever be hurt by anyone here. No one will ever wound you. No one will ever sin against you. Uh, that's not this church. I don't know how to break it to you. And you're going to go out there and look for that, and it's not that church there or that church there either. This church is a magnet for sinners. I know y'all laughing. Yeah, I know y'all know each other. 
No, you're thinking of, you're laughing because you're sitting next to somebody who, you know, is like, yeah, there's a big fat sinner. I hope they're listening to this message. Right? We get it in our heads. I get it in my head. Oh, I'm around Christians now. Christians shouldn't hurt me. I'm with my family now. My family shouldn't hurt me. I'm with people that I've invested in and they shouldn't hurt me. Hello, people. That happened to Jesus. And he was hurt and wounded and betrayed and sinned against. And that's us too. If you get sinned against and hurt by somebody here at GRX, you can go, thanks be to God, I'm being like Jesus. And ouch, that really hurts. This is what I'm trying to say, all right? Sin is real. Don't be surprised if it touches you. And don't be surprised if, if it happens within our community. Because it sure happened to Jesus. And it happens among churches. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. But then, here's the good news. Sin is real. We're wounded. There's penalty. But the solution is real too. The solution is real too. Sin is real and the solution. Now as they were eating, this is Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after he blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That in all of this, the sin, the sin that we cause each other, the wounds that we cause each other, the guilt that we might feel from that, the anger and the pain, and maybe the sin that we respond with against other people. Jesus says, hey, I know. It's painful, and there's brokenness, and that's why I've come. That we might somehow be restored, that we might somehow be healed, that we might somehow be saved from it and be forgiven from this. One of my favorite verses is when Jesus is actually on the cross. Psalm, um, Luke 23, Luke 23, 34. And Jesus dying on the cross actually prays for all of us. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you've been wounded by someone's sin, Jesus has also been wounded by someone else's sin, by our sin. He's on the cross, and even then he's praying for us and for the people that wound us, people that wounded him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's the good news. It's not good news that someone has wounded you. And it's certainly not good news that you have wounded somebody else. That's not good news. And forgiveness is not at all a license to just go on wounding other people. So, so that's not what I'm saying. Sin is bad. It's brokenness. And the wounds that we experience are real. Jesus 
knows those wounds. He experienced those. That's why he died on the cross. Because the penalty for that sin and those wounds is real. And that's eternal separation from God. But the forgiveness that we have in Jesus is that we can be forgiven for the wounds we cause, even as Jesus forgives other people who have wounded us. There is a very real cost for sin. And then there's forgiveness. And that's good news. That's good news. The wounds that you've sustained are not good news. But the forgiveness for the wounds that we have caused other people, that is the good news. That is the good news. So if you are someone who, as you reflect on your life, are carrying around guilt or shame or regret or a wound that then out of that you wound other people, then you're not much different than me and everybody in here. We've been wounded and we wound other people. And Jesus says, hey, I've come to die on the cross to forgive you, to bring healing to your wounds, and to give you a place to put your regret and your remorse, your shame and your guilt for the wounds that you've caused others. And that's the forgiveness. So sin is real. Don't be surprised if it touches you. And especially if you've experienced it here at GRX. Don't be surprised. But just as sin is real, so is the solution. And the solution to the penalty for sin is Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that we have. I'm going to shift right now to do a little bit of something different um, that you could kind of think is, could be the practical application of this message. Um, so now we are in a season called Lent, which is the 40 days leading up between, uh, between well, actually between, from last Wednesday all the way until Easter. Sometimes within the Christian church, there's a practice that you would give up something for Lent, meaning give up something to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Easter. It's a practice. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a discipline. Giving up something for Lent. Um, I'm going to do a little roundtable with Terrence just uh, to talk about this. But um, one of the things you might take from this message is what might I give up for Lent between now and Easter? You might want to do something that has something to do with forgiveness. Like, I might give up holding this resentment towards this person. I'm going to practice this for 40 days. And what I'm going to take on, I'm going to take on, or I'm going to take up forgiving. Now, other people do all kinds of other things for the season of Lent to practice spiritual disciplines. Some people give up coffee. Some people give up chocolate. Some people give up NCAA basketball, the March Madness tournament. They give that up. And then in the abstinence, it's a discipline of absence, like fasting, they take on something else that will help grow their relationship with God. 
They take on something else to help them more closely focus on God, their relationship with God. So Terrence and I were chatting, and we had this quite enlightening conversation about Lent. And Terrence shared with me something that he was, are you thinking about giving it up, or are you actually giving it up? Why don't you come up here? This is Terrence. Terrence is on staff. We're kind of, we're kind of, um, sort of, yeah, um, this is new for me. I'm usually not used to sitting on this side. I want to practice sitting on this side. Um, I'm going to give up that chair for Lent. Um, but uh, so Terrence and I were talking and about this practice and what might Terrence, what might you give up? So it's okay? funny, actually, because I don't usually do anything for Lent. Um, and then this year, a friend of mine was like, we should do Lent. And I was like, okay, I guess. And I was, I, I was trying to figure out what I would give up. Um, so, and I couldn't think of anything. Um, I mean, I could think of some stuff, but like, you know, but then they suggested to me and they were like, you should give up movies. So now if you don't know Terrence, he loves movies. So just a little context. Last year, I went to the movie theater, to the theater and I, wa- I've, I watched probably about 120 movies in the theater last year. So I go to the movies a lot. And so if you know me, I love movies. It's a passion of mine. And so when that's, they said... That's so great. When no s- judgment. I love how this is non-judgmental community. It's great. 120 so movies. So when they Fantastic. said, you should give them movies, I was like... <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Because the first thing I did, I went to the movie release schedule. <laughs> and I was like, what is coming out in March and April that I would be giving up? Um, Mulan, live action. Yeah, there's a, there a lot of good movies coming up. So I decided I would do it. Um, so I'm not going to be able to watch any movies in the theater. The, at home is OK. <laughs> But here's, I don't actually watch that many movies at home. Um, I do love to watch movies in the theater. And so, (laughs) um, but yeah, and so, yeah, Scott and I were talking. When I told him that, he was just like, that is awesome. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, so Terrence, so so you can give that up. And and, uh, we're like, that's why I was like, did you really give that up? Or are you just thinking about giving that up? So, okay, so you're giving that up. And I love, it's like all these wonderful brothers and sisters keeping you accountable. Uh, text message, hey, Terrence, I just want to let you know we're going to a movie tonight, but I'm not inviting you. Um, so that's so good. But what, okay, so you're going you're gonna to give up that. But it's not just to torture yourself. Like the season of Lent is not just to torture yourself. There's a purpose behind giving that up. And then you talked about also taking something on. Yeah, okay. So Scott had asked me, what, what are you going to do in, in place of that, right? Because obviously I spent a lot of time in the theater. So, and I was like, well, you know, it's funny because I was just talking to, um, uh, I work with Jeannie and, and Molly, and we, you know, we work in the children's ministry together. And, and, and one thing I was sharing with them a little while ago was, you know, it had nothing to do with this, but it was like, you know, I want to be able to, like, go and walk outside more. <laughs> and so I was telling Scott, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Now that the weather's getting nicer, 
I think I'll just go outside and take a walk every now and then. And because I love nature, I love, I love just being in nature. And, but then I think the thing is, is I don't take advantage of it enough, probably. And so when I told him that, I was like, I think I'll just go out and take a walk. Um, and so Friday, I was supposed to go watch a movie. <laughs> Had to cancel that. And I just went out to get, take a walk. It was a beautiful day outside, and it was really nice, actually. And, 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 and what I was telling Scott, too, is uh, what it does is it reminds me, too, as I was walking, of just the joy that I have for what God has given me a passion for, which is movies. <laughs> um, and so even though I'm not watching a movie in that moment, even just taking, that, taking the action to actually go and take a walk outside, uh, be in his creation, it was just a time of, I was just walking, and I was like, wow, thank you, God, for just, well, first of all, just, you know, the beautiful weather outside, but also just for the joy of, that I have for uh, my love for just watching movies and, and film and stuff like that. And so, uh, so that's kind of what I'm going to try to kind of replace that time with. I didn't walk for like two and a half hours, but like <laughs> in, in terms of the same amount of time I would have spent in theater, but just... Just doing that, I think, already, and consciously being aware of that um, was really nice. Yeah. So. All right, Terrence. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah, I, and, and then actually this conversation with Terrence sort of inspired me to wonder about, like, what am I going to give up? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know. And I was just sitting here, and I was praying about this and thinking about the message and thinking about what John was sharing, and I was praying, and, and, and I wonder if for me, like, the thing I need to give up is being right. No one's laughing. <laughs> I think I may try giving up being right for the next 40 days and see just practicing. What if I give up being right? Uh, I don't know, I thought, Shin, are you cheering me on back there? I was like, um, er, or practicing being right, or defending myself when I think I should be right, or when someone doesn't treat me the way that I think my rights would dictate that I should be treated, right, entitlement. I give up my right to be treated with respect. What if I just give up being right, and what, maybe I'll take on something like, I don't know, compassion. You know, that would be good. I think that would move me closer to Jesus. So anyway, I just thought of that right now. But uh, let me pray for us, and then the worship team will come up and keep going. God, thank you so much that we can be a part of your body here, this church, and to just be ourselves before you. And whether we give up chocolate or movies or the attitude of being right or the posture of whatever it is, uh, God, I thank you that you love us, um, not because of anything we do. You love us because of who we are. Thank you, God, that you forgive us. You sent Jesus to die for us. And you gave us each other to be your body. In Jesus' name we pray.